1: in fact, you'll notice that as we go along, the four living creatures before the throne, they herald each one of these horsemen, these four horsemen of the apocalypse, and each one of these horsemen brings disaster. I am
0: so thankful that you could join us today on Truth in Christ Radio with our senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob begins a four-part series on the book of Revelation, chapter 6, which is the beginning of God's wrath on the earth. As we continue our study through the book of Revelation, today our scripture says, And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. Each seal is associated with a living creature who called out, come, to each horseman. Each horseman is to carry out some type of wrath upon the earth. Now let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 6 and follow along with Pastor Rob.
1: Revelation chapter 6 says, now John's speaking, John the Apostle, he says, now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard 1 of the four living creatures, saying with a loud thunder, a voice like thunder, "'Come and see.' And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow. And a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, "'Come and see.' And another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword, and then he opened a third seal, and I heard the third living creature saying, Come and see, and so I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard the voice In the midst of the four living creatures, saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature, saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given over to them, over a fourth of the earth, to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, And by the beasts of the earth. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge your blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then a white robe was given to each one of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both a number of their fellow servants and their brethren would be killed as they were was completed. And I looked, and when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of the heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. And then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the rocks and in the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who who is able to stand. So now we turn a corner now when we were in chapters 4 and chapter 5 the 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 scene was in heaven. And now the scene switches from heaven now it's down to the earth and in fact the section that we're looking at this morning hopefully we'll get through all of chapter 6. It is called it's the beginning of the great tribulation period. It is a 7-year period after the church is removed in the rapture where God will pour out his wrath upon a world that has rejected his only means of salvation. And that means of salvation is his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible is replete with the idea that we must be saved. And it's to be saved through him. Because only he could have taken the punishment that you and I deserve. And he took that upon himself. Why? So that we would not taste the second death. That we wouldn't taste hell ever. I don't know about you, but that is enough to shoot me like a like a rocket into space. See, and the reason why it doesn't sometimes when I find myself getting kind of uh, cold and indifferent, it's because I don't understand. And I want to encourage you to really dwell on this. Think of how great a salvation God has given to each of us. Think of it. I mean, think about. I mean, you know, you know what scares me to death, and because I'm weird, I think like this. I think to myself. Lord, I could be spending an eternity in hell where there is fire, there is torment, and it will never, ever end. That's what I deserve, but that's not what I've been given by faith. But that's what I deserve. And listen, folks, have you ever had a pain that was so bad, you just couldn't shake it? Medication didn't didn't quell it? I can't imagine how many times, exponentially, over and over again, that that will be the case in so many different variations and forms, and for those outside who have chosen, they have chosen that place. God wants you to choose life. Choose Christ today. Don't choose anything else. And yet God now, as we look at this chapter, he is going to unleash his wrath. The church has been removed, and now there's a period of time called the Great Tribulation, Jacob's Trouble, the 70th week of Daniel, however you want to call it. It's very clear in the Bible. All of these things, this is a time of wrath. That's why at the end of the verse there that we just read, it says they they hid their face from the Lamb, from him who sits on the throne, God the Father, and the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb. And we're in that time period now, this third section of the book of Revelation. Remember, our, our outline is for us, uh, given to us right there in the first chapter of Revelation. Remember, John said, uh, or Jesus spoke to John, write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Well, we saw in chapter four, it begins after these things. The same Greek word, metatauta. And so now we, from chapter 4 until the, chapter, the very last chapter, 22, we are in the last section of the book of Revelation. The church is absent throughout all this time that we're going to be reading. The church is absent on earth because the church is Where? 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 In heaven, that's right. The church is in heaven, and we know that this section that we're starting with is the beginning of the the, the the first three and a half years. There's there's two sections of the of the book of Revelation. There's the first half of the tribulation, which begins with this rider that we're going to see on the white horse, and he is going to make a peace treaty. Daniel tells us in Daniel chapter nine verse twenty seven that he is going to make a, a treaty. With, the, with Israel to rebuild their temple. And in midway through that seven-year period, somewhere in that three-and-a-half-year period, he is going to set himself up as the one that should be ruled, the Antichrist, an image of himself in the Holy of Holies. And then the last part of the book of Revelation really begins around chapter 16. Where we see the the bowls of wrath. Now God really just letting the the world have it. And it's really coming down heavy. And so we see these things. And so we know that this is the beginning. This is the beginning. In fact, um, I'll just read this. In Revelation chapter 11. Uh, Revelation chapter 11 is in this, this period of the, of the seven-year period. Somewhere in the middle period. Right before the midpoint. In fact, uh, Revelation chapters 10 through 15 are really in this middle period of this seven-year period. And what does it say? It says that when I, in verse 1 of chapter 11, it says, I saw. I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there, but leave out the court which is outside the temple. Do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. What is 42 months? About three and a half years. That's what it is. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, again, 42 months. other words, three and a half years. They will prophesy clothed and sackcloth. So this first three and a half years, these two witnesses are going to be active, and they are going to torment, according to the words of the people on the earth, they are going to be tormented by, what they're, by the, the things that they're going to be doing. And yet, what does it say? So we know that that first three and a half years belongs to them during that time. And it says that when they finish their testimony, this is verse 7 of chapter 11 there, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, kill them. Their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So we know what city that is, right? What is it? Jerusalem. Then... Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days. Has there ever been a time in history when in Israel three and a half, three, for three and a half days that somebody, the whole world could view three and a half bodies? Only in this century. Because the internet was fairly new. But now we can see live what's happening over in Bangladesh. We can see live things that are happening all over the world. And so we live in the time that the technology fits for this kind of thing to happen. So those peoples, tongues and tribes and nations will see their dead bodies for three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and then send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. And then we look over in verse uh, chapter 13, and it talks about the beast of the sea, which we're going to get to. It talks about the Antichrist, and what does it say concerning him? In verse 5, it says that he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months, another three and a half years, after these witnesses have been put to death. So do you see how this thing is fitting together? And so... We're going to see in the book of Revelation, especially in chapter 6 going forward, we're going to see the scene alternating from heaven, where the church is, where Jesus is, and down to the earth. And then from heaven, and then down to the earth. In fact, this goes back and forth for 14 times. Seven pairs of heaven and earth, heaven and earth, heaven and earth, heaven and earth. The scene just constantly is switching. And so when we get into chapter 6 now, that's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing the things that are coming upon the earth. And we're not going to go through this today, but I would have you write down in the margin of your Bible a reference. As we look at chapter 6 and 7, but especially chapter 6, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 24. Verses 4 through 14, because Jesus, if you remember last week we looked at, he gave us kind of like, uh, in, in abbreviated form, the outline of this tribulation. And it's very interesting that verses 4 through 14 parallel Revelation chapter 6 that we're looking at today. It parallels it very nicely. Matthew talks about false Christ. In chapter 6, we're going to see a rider on a white horse who is nothing but a false Christ, the Antichrist. We also hear in Matthew, wars and rumors of wars. And then we find, and I'm going sequentially here, we see the rider on the red horse who makes war. And and then again in Matthew it talks about famine. And then in Revelation 6 again, it speaks about a, a rider on a black horse who, who, um, who brings famine. And then we see famines and plagues, and we still see this rider and this uh, a pale horse now, who speaks of disease and famine, and there'll be persecution, as it says in Matthew twenty-four, and martyrdom, and we certainly see that going sequentially through Revelation six and terrors and great cosmic signs, and we certainly see that in the last six cha- six verses of chapter six, and the preaching. Worldwide preaching of the gospel, we hear about that in Matthew twenty-four, fourteen, And we see that in the next chapter, in chapter 7, of the 144,000 who are sealed. 144,000 Jews that are going to be preserved and saved and used in a very evangelical way throughout the earth at this time. And so I would encourage you to take a look at that. And so this morning we're going to be looking at these seals. And we're going to see what we know as the four horsemen of the apocalypse four horsemen. In fact, you'll notice that as we go along, the four living creatures before the throne, they herald each one of these horsemen, these four horsemen of the apocalypse. And each one of these horsemen brings disaster one upon another. And it's interesting. Let's look at the very first verse again. It says, Now when I saw the Lamb open one of the seals, and I heard one of the, one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice and uh, like thunder, Come and see. And so we see uh, this, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, there in his redemptive form in heaven, opening up this, this seal. It could be the title deed of the earth, some have said. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, you recall that by, by their choosing to disobey God and obey Satan, they basically handed over the thing that God had given to them. And from now on, from that moment until the Lord returns, In his second coming, the Bible calls Satan the ruler of this world. We know what the psalm says, right? Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. And that's certainly true. But for a season, for a time, and it's been a long time, who has been the ruler on this earth? Who has been the one creating uh, havoc and problems? None other than Satan himself. He is called the ruler of this world. In fact, if you look with me at John chapter 12, Jesus said so himself. He said, My soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Glorify your name, Father. And then a voice came from heaven saying, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by heard it and said that it had thundered. Another said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. And now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And Jesus spoke of this Antichrist, this demonic man filled with Satan more than once in John 14 verse 30 he said it John 16 verse 11 he said the same thing the same title the ruler of this world and if you recall even in Matthew's gospel when Jesus was being tempted after his baptism with John remember one of the things that Satan told Jesus it says in Matthew 4 verse 8 again the devil took him up to an exceeding high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said to Jesus all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me and you notice Jesus didn't and rebuke him and say, uh, Have you read Psalm 24, buddy? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Oh, believe me, Satan knows that truth. But for now, he's the ruler of this age, and he has the whole world under his sway. Why is it a battle to be a Christian? Why is it a battle, even now as a Christian, to, to live the life of, that Christ has given you? Even with the Spirit of God in you, do you ever feel like a, a, a little minnow swimming up upstream when the current is racing toward you? And as you go, this little minnow, and you're making every little fin push a little, you're going upstream, and, and all around you, coming at you, are great white sharks, 18 feet long, and they're hungry, and there's hordes of them coming your direction. Do you feel like that way as a Christian? I do. That's the reality. You live on enemy territory until the Lord returns. Notice it says the Lamb, Jesus Christ, you know, as we get into this book of Revelation, as the seals are open, I'll turn your attention to the screen here because it, it speaks of seven seals. And it's interesting that this seven seal document really within this document contains all of the wrath of God in one thing. In fact, as we get to the seventh seal, um, you'll notice that it when, when that seventh seal is open, it really opens up seven trumpets. And then at the end of the seven trumpets, it opens up bowls of wrath. And these are just Things that uh, God has placed here to show us his narrative and the sequence of things as as things go along in the great tribulation period. Does that make sense? At the seventh of every one opens up another one and it unfolds and becomes another seven. Does that make sense? And so that's what we're going to see through the, through the book of Revelation. And we're starting right here in chapter six with that very thing. Notice verse two. And I looked and behold a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. And although he is riding on a white horse, don't let that confuse you because many think that this may have been, this may, this may be Jesus Christ coming back on a white horse because we know in Revelation chapter 19 verse 11 that he comes back on a white horse. He does. But as we look at this, we're going to see some incongruous ideas about this, because look what it says. Or Let me just share with you. First of all, Jesus comes back on a white horse at the end of the tribulation, not at the beginning. Does that make sense? We're at the beginning now. He comes back on a white horse at the end. And the context of these three other horsemen is evil, not a context that the king of kings should be in. The very context is, they are conquering, they are destroying. And Jesus, the Lamb, he's opening the seal. Why would he be opening the seal to something that he's going to be doing? He doesn't. This is none other, this first rider on a white horse is none other than the beast from the sea that is spoken of in Revelation 13. And we'll be getting to that. And one of the things that we can look at is just comparing these two, uh, these, these two riders. One carries, we'll see... Um, Here in Revelation, that he has a bow. He had a bow and he had a crown on his head. Went out conquering in the conqueror. So this writer in in Revelation 6 carries a bow. Some believe that it's actually like a bow, like a bow and arrow. I'm not really convinced that that's what it is, but it could be. And we know that Jesus, in Revelation 19, he, ha, he wields a sword as well at the end of the Great Tribulation, at the beginning when he comes back to the earth in the second coming. We know that the writer here in Revelation 6, he wears a crown, but this is a different kind of crown. It's the, the, the Greek word is Stephanos. It's a, it's a kind of crown, like a laurel wreath, a laurel crown that you would get when you win an award in the, in the games, like the Roman games. That's really what it's speaking of. But when you look at what it says in Revelation 19, that Jesus is wearing many crowns. And those crowns aren't these little laurel wreaths. They are what they call diadems. And they are literally crowns for kings. And he's wearing many of them. Very different. Very different. And the rider on the horse is initiating war. But what does Jesus do when he comes back? He destroys his enemies and he brings an end to war. Very big difference between this rider and Revelation 6, and the one coming back in Revelation 19, which you will be riding behind him on white horses as well. I love that. <laughs> I wonder if I can name mine. Trigger. I'm going to name my horse, and I'm going to have those just, just because. Laura, would you allow me to have on the each side, like Clint Eastwood, you know, the 44 mags on each side? Even, even if I don't use them, it's just a look thing. It's just a feel-good thing. Even though, you know, you're not doing any of the fighting, I just want to look cool when I come back, you know. But notice also, this first rider, he commences the tribulation, and obviously when Jesus comes back, it is the climax of the tribulation, and it ends it, and this bow in the original language, it literally means a, a bow, uh, apparently, uh, as, as the simplest fabric. So, this could be a bow. Like, remember when you were in uh, 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 maybe Cub Scouts or Girl Scouts and you won an award, you got this little ribbon. You know, a bow of some kind, you know, a bow and it's blue and it had the little, you know, first prize or whatever. It could be something like that because that's what the Greek says. You know, it's some kind of fabric bow that he's got. And that just speaks of him not, this first horse not coming back as some kind of warrior in a sense. He does it in a different way through diplomacy. He's not the one wielding the sword and and forcing. He's conquering and he's conquering, but there's no bow. There's There's no arrows if that's indeed what it is. He's, he's, he comes, peace, he comes for peace, he comes for peace. In fact, in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3...
0: I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation.